Hey, good morning. Let's get started. Uh, my apologies. Uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, I was outside speaking with uh, Deacon about a uh, counseling uh, issue and uh, something that he's working on and come alongside other people and doing those one another's that we talked about last week. Um, so let me, uh, <clears throat> let me make a couple of announcements. I call it housekeeping. Uh, first of all, uh, lesson three, we have lesson three, we have the sign-in. If you've already been here, there's a week two on the left, there's a week three on the right, next membership class, and like, well, since you guys won't be there, uh, I'll have all that cleaned up, and it'll be easier to just check those boxes. We'll have that, that uh, time there. So just to make sure, and we'll pass that around if anyone has not. Uh, you don't have to come up here. We'll make sure that it, it gets around. Uh, number two is that there's uh, the outline for today. So everyone have an outline? Okay. Yes, now we'll make sure that everyone uh, will get one. We'll pass those out. And then uh, the th- third thing that we have is the membership application. Does everyone have one? Yes. Okay. Woo. All right. Excellent. And if you don't, they are there. And then uh, go ahead and fill those out. And if you see me or any other elder or... Uh, we've got Donna and Stephen Jordan, Steve Jordan, uh, in the back there. If you see them on campus here, you can get those uh, to to them, and then we'll make sure that we start working that process. That that next step is where then you guys will be interviewed by an elder. You know, say, hey, tell me your testimony. Tell me about this. You know, serving. I mean, all of these things. We want to get to know you. And then that next step after that is to where then is, hey, I don't know who these elders are. Well, hopefully you do, even though that we may not introduce ourselves. All of the elders are doing those closing announcements. So like Aaron Ives today did the closing for the uh, 9 a.m. church service. Aaron is one of our elders here. Lastly, we also have another form. Call it a form, but it's a handout. Because, like, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Or, like, look, this is basically, I don't want to call it a contract. Like, here's the practice of Believers Fellowship. This is what we believe. This is what we've been teaching. Here's expectations of members and then the expectations of elders. Right? Because if you say, well, elders, you're not showing up and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, well, then we have failed you. We have failed the church, God's church, in being those under-shepherds. So if we show up to do our job, the expectation is that you're going to show up to do your job and be actively involved as an active member of the church. Remember, this is a living organism. So we have these as well. Make sure that you uh, grab one of, one of those. Let me open up in a word of prayer. And the next thing what I want to do is share my testimony because that was asked of me. So I will, I will do that. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, that we have another day to uh, collectively <clears throat> from a church um, worship you and, and praise you. Lord, uh, you are worthy and you deserve all glory, worship, honor, and, and praise. Lord, thank you that uh, you, you are uh, perfection. Lord, thank you for all your power. Thank you for your design of the church. Lord, help us to further understand here on week three on what that is all about and where then we uh, will be committed uh, to your church. Uh, And it is for uh, our good and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Okay, so in week one, 
It's an individual that had asked, hey, tell me about your testimony. I wanted to share that. We didn't have a chance to, to do that last week. So here goes. Um, I grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in a subdivision there. Uh, I grew up in the Lutheran Church. Uh, I went to Sunday school. I went to VBS. I went to church. I stood up to say this creed, sit down, say, stand up, say this creed, sit down. I mean, all of those things. I was taught, hey, here's, you know, you need to pray before meals and then when you go to bed, all these other things. And so there is this knowledge of God. But the issue is when you're trying to go through all of these things on your own, there is that one key ingredient that really be missing, and that was Jesus. So you have, and I had that, head knowledge of who God was. Yeah, I know Jesus. Yeah, he, he was the son of God. Yeah, he died on the cross. Well, it's all this head knowledge, right? But through God's perfect design in how a lot of these things had happened, um, the sermon from this morning was very applicable just from and how that we grow up, right? And so then as Folks that are currently parents, and you're like, okay, so when you become a parent, there are things like, yeah, I remember how my parents did things. You take take the good, and you're like, yeah, I want to do that, and I want to apply that, and then the not so good, you know, like, I don't want to do that, right? And so then when you're, as you're a parent, well, unless anyone has a master's degree in parenting, which I don't think that they offer those in, in college or, or uh, those advanced degrees, you're learning and you're going through all of those. I was really exasperated growing up. I was provoked. And, but the Lord used that. And, and so then my desire was to, when I go to school, go to college, like, man, I am, I am going to sow my wild oats. I'm going to go do this, and I'm going to be as far away from my parents as I can. And I literally went to college on the opposite side of the state geographically, just in having that separation. It was because of those things, but that was by God's design and how he had done that. And so then as I am doing all of the things that pagans would be doing and chasing, there's times because I was taught all through my whole life up until age 18 when I had left the, the home for school was, hey, Go to church. You know, you need to be in church. And so there's times to where I would be hungover. I wouldn't say necessarily still drunk, but hungover. And then chasing things that I shouldn't be chasing. And where then I'm like, oh, well, I feel better because I'm going to church. But there's still this emptiness inside of me. You know, like, I'm standing, I'm doing all of these things. What am I chasing here? There's got to be more to life than this. You know, like, this is just empty. Well, there's a guy that uh, was in Speech 101. Anyone take Speech 101 back in the day? Yes, you still use it, even uh, many decades later. He, had in, he introduced me, he befriended me, introduced me, hey, I want to I do a Bible study in my, in my dorm room. It'll be a bunch of guys. Are you interested? And I'm like, I think before he even finished that question, like, yeah, when and, and, and what time, what, what dorm so I was there, and that was the time of when he clearly spoke of the gospel and really know and understand, like, okay, this is that missing ingredient 
is, okay, well, here's God, here's man, but what do I need to do to get there? But it is through that relationship for Jesus. I am, I am a depraved man. I am a sinner. I fall short of God. But because of what God's great gift and through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he had done on the cross as that propitiation for my sin, being that substitute, that is where if I um, accept him as my Lord and Savior, if I repent of my sins, he will forgive me and where then, as we were talking about last week, being a doulos, like I'm now completely owned by him. Because he was faithful in sharing the gospel, we talked about that last week as well, that is where then the Lord granted me repentance. It's not a, well, I found room in my heart to, you know, bring Jesus in. No, God granted me repentance and through all those things. It was that grace. I didn't have that faith. He granted that to me as well. And so from that time forward, I don't want to live this life anymore. It is not the, you know, 90 degree. It's that 180 and living then your life for, for Christ. I was involved in Campus Crusade. I was involved in Navigators, went on some missions trips. And continue to be having accountability and Bible studies and scripture memory and, and going to a church then where then that is reinforcing on what God's word is, is being preached and being surrounded and accountable with all other uh, believers that were involved in those campus ministries, but then for church as well. From that time, we have been at Believers Fellowship for 23 years, since August of 2000. I didn't have this, oh, someday, you know, I'm just going to be just, I want to be an elder. I wouldn't say that I had that desire to do that. All I want to do is, this be on a journey. All I want to do is be faithful and I want to be obedient. And I want to honor God in everything that I do. So all of these things on where and how that we're applying, even from the sermon this morning, we heard a sermon similar to that many years ago. And then when our kids were in the, about that middle school age, it's like, oh, wow, revolutionary. You start writing them down. It's not the head knowledge, but it's that heart knowledge. What are we doing? And so it has been a fantastic journey. I'm so grateful for God's grace and, and what he has done in my life, my wife's life, and then, of course, with our children's life as well. So that is my personal testimony more abbreviated version, but uh, again, thankful for uh, the, the grace of God and, and what he has done in, in my life. Amen. All right, so thank you for that question. Hopefully that was encouraging for y'all. If you want more details, more information, I'm more than happy to um, you know, walk through a little bit more and how, uh, how what the Lord has done for me. All right, so lesson three, committed to the church of God. Last week we had mentioned, you know, the ham and eggs, right? If anyone was, was here, you know, the chicken's involved, but the pig's committed, right? Be the pig, be the ham. You know, the chicken, yeah, okay, I can lay the egg and, yeah, kind of dancing and putting your, your toe in the water, but when you're all in, you're totally committed to that. That is that commitment to the church of God. And so, all right, so why membership? When you take a look at your outline, everyone have an outline. Who does not have an outline? Perfect. All right, great. Okay. All right, a temple has bricks, a flock has sheep, a vine has branches, and a body has members. We have members of our body, right? We have toes, hands, elbows, arms. That's the same thing. So in one sense, church membership begins when Christ saves us and makes us a member of his body. 
Yet his work must then be given expression in an actual local church. In this case that we're here, Believer's Fellowship. So in that sense, church membership begins when we commit to a particular body. And being a Christian means being joined to a church. All right, in, in A, all Christians are members of the universal church. We spoke about this in week one. So we have the local church, and then we have the universal church. When an individual is saved, he becomes a member of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Because he's united to Christ and the other members of the body in this way, he's therefore qualified to become a member of a local expression of that body. And that is why everyone is here today, to become a member at Believer's Fellowship. All right, Romans 12.5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. And that verse I had mentioned, referenced, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. All right, B, the local church is God's intended touch point with his people. I mentioned, I think, in one, week one or week two, like, oh, well, God spoke to me, I heard him, uh, you know, through a dream or in a vision or whatever. Like, no, God speaks to us, and he spoke to us in his word. We have that accessible on our phones right here. I like the hard copy, all right, it, so, so you can hear the crinkling of the pages. Yes, sir. Uh, that, uh, that is a beautiful uh, noise to hear. Um, and, and so we, we have that, that touch point with his people, that is our, the church, his church. That's his perfect design. In Revelation 1, uh, 12 to 20, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow, His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last, and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Write, before, <clears throat> write therefore the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, <clears throat> the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches." So how does Christ work with the church? And we see here that he's ministering among real and local churches. He's moving among those local churches, and we know he's even doing that today. All right, so the pattern of the early church. You're not going to find the words church membership in the Bible, but we do see the pattern from the very start of the church in Jerusalem. They knew who were the members of the church, and they did keep lists. In Acts 2, verse 41, So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. 
So as I was sharing with the elders this morning in elder prayer that we have about 40 people in church membership, we know that we're going to have this wave of people doing the interviews, and then after that, perhaps even some of you might be baptized. You have that desire. Those classes are coming up in in mid-February. Can you imagine 3,000? That would be an amazing thing. All right, 1 Timothy 5, 9 through 12. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ... They desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. So I say with a widow and being enrolled, <clears throat> the purpose with the church also, I think that we had mentioned this, that as church leadership, we have two offices, right? What are they? Deacon and elder. elder. Okay. All right. So what are the deacons uh, entrusted to do? What do they usually oversee? Exactly. They do see and they, they do oversee the widow ministry. And that is one thing that what we do here at Believers Fellowship. Steve Jordan is the co-chair of, of the deacon board. He, he is in the, in the back there. And, and I can assure you that not only from the Agape Fund, where there are families that might be in need, there is great care and diligence and with the widows and the widow ministry. We're, talk, we're called to take care of widows and orphans. Those are those things that are entrusted to us. That is what the deacons here at Believers Fellowship do. They, they do see those widows. In 1 Corinthians 5.1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And so Paul is arguing that this man should be excluded from the local church. Why it's really important is to where then if anyone is a member, then you are accountable not only to God, but you are under the authority of the elders. We're shepherds, right? So if you think of in the literal sense, what does a shepherd do? Protection, right? So there could be done in a variety of ways could be a lack of sleep because there could be wolves prowling at night and to where like, man, I'm going to make sure that my flock is okay. Well, he also had a tool, right? Shepherd staff. That staff, that crook, there would be a lot of ways on how that he could utilize that thing, right? So it is making sure that that flock, as a shepherd, makes sure that that flock is pure and holy and undefiled. So for any sin... That needs to be addressed. So for anyone that is a church member, if they are sinning, well, then there are some of those steps and those processes that go behind the scenes. There's, I assure you, there's plenty of it going behind the scenes as we speak today. It's not fun. It's not a joyous occasion but it is a privilege for us to be able to do that. And we get, as elders, we get that privilege to be able to do that. I was on the phone with uh, one of our uh, other elders uh, yesterday and speaking with an individual for over an hour. And then he followed up with another call of that party that's involved uh, for probably another 45 minutes. 
Like, well, so what did you do this weekend? I, w- I, I got the privilege to be able to serve our master. We want to make sure that the church is undefiled. It is not, like, hey, you need to do what I'm telling you to do. It's like, no, you need to do what I'm, as a shepherd, instructing to tell you what to do according to what God's word is. Right? That is what we are called to do. So to make sure that the church is pure and, and holy is example that operation. So Paul, in that 1 Corinthians 5.1, example of the operation of a church dealing with a sinning member. That has to be confronted. And the person is unrepentant, then there's continued uh, church discipline. There has been a couple of times since uh, that we've been here in 23 years that we've had people disciplined out of the church. That's not fun because of the continued unrepentance of, of a sin and a sin issue and where then we have to do that. But that's an example, and that went to the in front of the whole church. But I can assure you that it, it is a, a reminder for all of us in our whole desire, collectively, the local body of believers here at Believers Fellowship, making sure that we are honoring God. That is what he's called us to do, and that is what we're, we're going to do. All right, so they appointed lead elders to lead local churches. As I had mentioned, we've got those two offices. Titus 1.5, this is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So every town where there was a church. First Peter 5, 1-3. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. So there you go. Anyone wants a JD job description for an elder? There, there you go. That's, that's what we're called to do. All right, so members, number two there you'll see on your outline, members are present and involved. Members seek to be active participants in the church. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. All right, so how many of y'all cook? Be any time in the kitchen? Probably even in home ec, if they still have home ec and glasses, right? You're like, okay, hey, you got to stir this. Like, oh, great, really? Do I have to stir this? Okay, when you're stirring, what are you doing? You're stirring, you're, you're folding in, right? You're combining those ingredients, and you think of when you are stirring cream and you do it really fast, right? Well, then what happens? It starts frothing up, right, into whipped cream. Well, that's pretty cool, right? So you're stirring one another up into where then you're building up the whole body and folding in, complementing all of those ingredients in that to where then you know, say you have these different ingredients, say, when you're making a cake, right? What do you have? Salt, sugar, baking soda, flour, Eggs, got it, perfect, all right. What else? Milk, vanilla, cocoa, right? All those ingredients, as they stand alone, you're like, okay, well, that's just a whole recipe. 
And then there's the directions like, hey, you need to fold this in first. You need to add that. But then when you've had an amazing cake and you're like, that was awesome. Can I have the recipe? Well, I think of that metaphor is like with the church. God has designed us in a beautiful, wonderful way. We are made in his image. And so then when all of us are actively participating, we are all those ingredients in his church. When we're all put together like that, that is to his glory. That is what we see. That is an amazing thing. All right, so you cannot stir one another up to love and good works if you're not involved. As I had mentioned, like with that cake, you leave an ingredient out, you're like, oh, man, where's the sugar in this thing? This is kind of flat, right? Uh, or, or where's the flour? This is pretty flat. Or the baking soda or baking powder, whatever it might be, right? You can almost detect there's a missing ingredient in this. So in the same way as we are called to do this. Like, hey, this isn't a consumerism. Well, I'm just going to sit back and, and not participate. It's the expectation. Remember, that's where we're talking about with that handout. And this is where and how, by design, all of this will be given to God's glory. Acts 2, 46 and 47. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So there's a picture of that early church and how they were committed to the participation in the activities of the church. All right, members are in prayer for the church. I was speaking with an individual right after morning service and said, hey, we want to be part of the 8 a.m. prayer ministry. They're like, awesome. We can always pray. So just FYI, anyone who wants to do that, want to show up early, if you rise early like I do, and like, hey, I have nothing better to do. Go pray, right? Collectively and, and actively participate in that. That is going to be at 8 a.m. And so right at the end of this building, you see the stairs, all right? So it's going to be that first classroom, 8 a.m., and that will be praying for almost an hour, probably about 45 minutes. I would encourage anyone to be able to do that. Like, oh, I don't have much to pray. We can always pray. It's so important, especially then for the church. <clears throat> so 1 Thessalonians, pray, and that's 5 verse 17, pray without ceasing. And Acts 1 verse 14, all of these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. All right, so what do we pray for? Well, one, we pray for the workers of the harvest. Right? Like, okay, well, yeah, kind of shy. I don't want to share the gospel. We were talking about that last week. Is weave the gospel into your everyday conversations, whether it be a coworker on you know on a lunch break, whether it be a neighbor, whether it be standing in, in the line at HEB or Costco, wherever that might be. Weave the gospel in. Like if you have a light, you don't want to hold that with a you know a candle. You want to shine that you know forth. So so do that. All right, leaders of the church, when people ask, well, what, what can I be praying for, for you? Well, these things are including then for us, especially leaders of the church, whether it be elders and or deacons. There are so many decisions that we have to make on a, I say, a daily but a weekly basis. 
these things are, uh, they can be delicate and they can be time consuming, but then also like if we haven't gone through something like that before, like how are we going to be able to navigate through that? That is where when we ask uh, for wisdom, right, we pray that in James 1, 5. So if if uh, we ask for wisdom, God is going to grant that to us. So that is my prayer for you guys. You know, hey, well, how can I be praying for y'all? Pray for wisdom. Pray for purity and pray for unity of the church. Those, are, those three things right there can be very large and encompassing, but that's where we're going to pray for leaders of the church. How do we counsel people? We want to speak the truth in love. There's that fine balance, right? I call it we've got a nudge, we've got to step on toes, but like we want to do that in a, in a kind and loving way. We're like, here, here's what God's word has to say. Why are you not doing that? And really, I say calling people out. That's on an individual basis, but we always want to do that and speak the truth in love. We want to do that in that delicate manner, but then on the other side is we want to make sure that we, that we get that point across. We're dealing with a holy God. And, and people need to know and understand on who they ultimately are offending if they are in that sin. All right, the spiritual growth of the members of the church. That's the other thing that we can pray for. The spiritual growth of the members of the church. And that's Ephesians 1, 15 to 22. And Ephesians 3, 14 through 18. How do you encourage one another in your spiritual growth? Take that home, meditate on it, think about it, but then it's okay, well, what are those things look like? And then apply those things. That's all part of that church and and the body of believers. The other thing that I had already mentioned in its 1 Corinthians 5, 6 through 8 is the purity of the church. We want God's church to be holy and undefiled. We want it to be pure. So pray for that purity of the church. Supplications for the believers. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, is the scripture reference for that. Supplications for the believers. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4. So when someone says, man, I'm really struggling with that, I'm like, hey, I'm praying for you. Don't just say it, do it. Act on it. And you know what? We talked about this. Follow up. Text message, an email, a phone call. Hey, I've been praying for you, and it's been weeks since I've had an opportunity to catch up with you. What's the latest? What's going on? How is the Lord using these things, right? Has anyone ever received that phone call or that text or that personal conversation? Someone comes up and says that exact same thing. Are you not overwhelmed and blown away? Like, wow, I just kind of shared this kind of off to the side and you know, just expressing that, but to where then you're committed to be praying for one another, that's part of those one another's, those supplications for the believers. All right, letter C on your outline. Submit to the leadership of the church. Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. I can assure you it would be great advantage to where we can do this with great joy. I can also assure you that I have been experiencing for the last seven years and as an elder both sides of this, 
with great joy because someone is repentant and where they're turning and like they're submitting to God and they're continuing to grow, they're forsaking that sin and they're moving forward. On the other side of that is to where then with groaning is to where we, uh, we will, you know, counsel people, we'll admonish them. We're all called to encourage, exhort, admonish one another, right, with Scripture. But when we do that as elders and saying, hey, this is what you need to do, are you submitting to that authority? So really, if you're not submitting to church leadership, remember, we are just God's under shepherds. That's all we do. That's who we are. We don't have any special... For anything else, it, like it, we are called agents of God at the local church. And that's all we want to do is we want to execute on what he has called us to do in a faithful manner. Because your souls, all of our souls, are at stake. That is what we are in charge of. That's an extremely important mission and why and what that we do. So a number of months ago, and to where then I'm with a, uh, another church officer, <clears throat> and we are um, undergoing marital counseling, and uh, that first session was over three hours. Anyone does some of those things, especially when you're busy with work, and at the end of the day, and you're like, okay, you got to end the mindset, like, I get to do this. I, I get to do this. Those are uncomfortable times, but the things in with, with, whether it be joy or with groaning, Especially in that situation is where then people are like, yeah, no, I'm not going to listen. You talk to the hand. I'm not doing that. Oh, well, you're a church member. Here's what you had signed on the doctrinal, acknowledging the doctrinal statement of Believer's Fellowship. Here's what you have agreed to as becoming a member. Or like, oh, I was coerced by my spouse. Like, what, did they have a gun to your head? Like, no, not at all. Those are those, quite frankly, very discouraging times. That is with groaning. Those are those things when people say, hey, what keeps you up at night? Those are those things. Because our heart hurts. Submit to the leadership of the church. We don't do this because, I, hey, you know, when uh, Chance has been preaching on in, in Ephesians and the word like, wives, submit to your husbands. Well, do the husbands say, woman, you need to submit to me. That is the wrong mindset. It's the same thing as with the elders and saying, hey, you need to submit to me. Is No, you need to submit to God's word. Remember, we're just, we're agents. Amen. Right, so, so it's not a, because under that compulsion, it goes back into that other scripture. It, it is not under compulsion. It's not for our desire. Hey, you need, to tell, you need to do what I tell you to do. It's like we implore you to be obedient, be a faithful, and submit to God and his word. That's what we do, and that's being that agent. All right, so D on your outline, experience the joy God intends for his people. When we're sinning, We're running from God. He's like, hey, I'm going to call the shots, and I'm going to do it my way. Well, does anyone ever have really true joy when they're doing that? And over a long period of time? No, it is misery. We think that we have it in that immediacy, but no, we don't. Experience the joy God intends for his people. When we are submitted to God and his word, man, life is good. Yeah, we'll have trials and tribulations. Well, I talked about that a number of weeks ago in, in adult Bible study. But Jesus said that we're going to have those. Experience the joy God intends for his people. Romans 15, verse 13. May the God of hope 
hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. You'll be discouraged and like, man, I don't how am I be able to get through whatever, a trial, whatever it might be. Like, man, there's so much scripture that is on where we have hope in Christ. In some of these counseling issues, people would just be so downtrodden and so discouraged. And like, you have hope in Christ. Yeah. Right? And we start speaking about that scripture. Man, we have the greatest hope because he is the ruler and he conquered all. If he conquered death, he can conquer anything. That is the amazing thing and how that we have that hope. All right, three, on your outline, members serve in the local church. Right? It's not the consumerism of, hey, what can I get out of church? It's kind of like, well, what can, you know, it's the, uh, I think the presidential address, I think it was John F. Kennedy, right? Is uh, what can you do for the, it's what, what can you do for the country, right? What can you do for the church? How can you serve the church? Members are expected to serve in the local church. And all believers, A, all believers are gifted to serve in their local church. You might have a, um, you know, a student or man, I really love teaching little kids. Well, I don't think that we're going to have an opportunity here at Believer's Fellowship. We're like, yeah, sorry, there's no room for you to be teaching in, in the younger children's ministry. There's always a need for that. So, you know, come on, come on. Well, let's just say there are people who do have that musical gifts and, and those talents. We've talked about me not being one of them. There's only so many opportunities that that can happen, say, in, you know, visibly. Well, that could be in a fellowship group. That could be in, in those home groups. That could be, hey, we're going to come together, we're going to pray, and we're going to have some worship. That individual can be serving in there. They have that, serve. Whatever it might be, you'll see and you'll know, and then eventually, perhaps that you could be aligned with that particular gift that you might have, uh, for for serving in there. But the first thing, well, I'm just going to wait. No. Jump in and start serving because that's not only the expectation is, remember, we get to serve. Serving is an act of worship. So when you, you know, like, man, I love God, like, then serve. And it doesn't matter in that capacity. There's so many times where I'll see, even, even where there's um, uh, a meal... You know, refreshments, desserts, whatever, after a baptism class. And there are so many people that really don't get a chance to be able to see them serving, and there they are serving. Like, this is awesome. I'm so grateful for everyone actively being involved. And, of course, that is pleasing the Lord. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, as part of the Scripture, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the works of ministry, why? For the building up the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, it's the other scriptural reference. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but of the same Spirit. So there's a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To teach is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. 
to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So we need to understand that different lists of gifts are representative. The key point is here that the Spirit gives people with gifts to serve the church as the Spirit wills. All right. B on your outline, God intends for all to serve. Just as all parts of the body are essential to the proper functioning of the body. Does anyone ever have a hangnail? You know, like, man, that not only hurts, you're like, so then what do you normally do? Just, well, yeah, not cut off your thumb. If you have a hangnail on that, you're going to cut the hangnail off. But it still is painful. And so what you, there's probably a normal tendency is that you start, call it babying, right? You're you're keeping an eye out for that. Hey, I don't want to touch it. I don't want to hit it on anything if you don't happen to have a Band-Aid. And so then it's really then your thumb, or let's just say you have a major cut on your thumb and, and you can't, or it's in a splint, right? You strained it, you broke it, whatever. There's a lot of, th- and like, wow, I had no idea that I really use my thumb an awful lot until you don't have it, yeah. right? And that's really for any of all parts of our body. So when we don't have that, that's where we're more acutely focused on those things. But so as with the church body, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 27, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many if the foot should say, ah, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of a body. And if the ear should say, ah, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again to the head of the feet, I have no need for you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. You say, oh, well, yeah, I do this behind the scenes and no one really cares. Well, I'm just this little toenail here on the pinky toe. No, it is still vitally important to the body. 
So whether it be behind the scenes or something when you're serving to be more visible, doesn't matter. Remember, when we are all members of the body and when we are all serving, it is all to the glory of God. We get to do that. We get the opportunity to worship in that way. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 14, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. C, in your outline, guard the church against false doctrine. In Acts 20, 28-31, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among you, your own selves will arise, men speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. That does happen here at Believer's Fellowship. I can assure you. And I can assure you that there have been tears. There have been great discouragement. And to where then people are factious and divisive because it's, well, that person might have pull or uh, influence over other individuals. <coughs> Rather than people hearing what God's word has to say about it, oh, well, I want to I come over here. It's very factious, very divisive. It's like we need to be obedient to what God's word has to say. There, there are other things that have been out there, um, in, including uh, the woke theology, and to where some of that was, when I say people were entertaining that, when we start hearing about it, you are like, no. And so what do we need to do to make sure that we're teaching and making sure that everyone knows about that theology and make sure that it doesn't encroach in, in on the church. Remember, we want and the goal is to preserve God's holiness Amen. and through his scripture, you think of the five solas here, solo gratia, solo dia gloria, <clears throat> solo fide, solo Cristo, and solo scriptura, scripture alone. I didn't do too badly in that Latin, did I? Oh, you did pretty good. <laughs> I guess if we say it after a while, and it kind of rolls off your tongue. Yes, All right, so, so guard the church against false doctrine. Be careful and... Pay attention to those. It's not only as elders overseeing and making sure that those aren't, you know what? That's your remit as well. And how do you do that? Being in God's word. When you hear and see something, if you go visit another church, let's just say you're visiting family members and they're in 1,500 miles away from you. You're like, hey, I want to go to church. And you're like, oh, that was a pretty good sermon. And then your, your friend or your spouse or whatever, like, whoa, man, I was ready to tear out of there halfway, not even halfway into that sermon because you know that it was in great error. Know the truth. Know your word. Have that scripture written on your heart so that you don't sin against thee, against God. So when we know those things, then we will have a better understanding of what truth is and what error is. But that's 
with our job as overseers and with elders. But that's not just on us. Remember, that's on y'all as well. All right, so prayer for the flock. Ephesians 1, 15 and 16. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers. The other thing, we want to set an example for the flock. So again, as leaders lead, right? We want to be that positive example. We want to lead as how a godly image, that is our desire as well. But remember, you're leading other people too. How are you leading by that example? Is it a godly example? Or is it an ungodly example? Remember, we are all leading, but you want to set that example, that godly example for the flock. So, so this is really specifically for us elders. 1 Peter 5.3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples of your flock. Philippians 3, verse 17, Brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. We want to lead by example. We want to show each and every one of you, this is what we're doing. We want to lead by that example to where they're like, imitate me, right? Paul wrote about that as well. All right, work for the joy of the church, An F on your outline. Work for the joy of the church. 2 Corinthians 1, verse 24. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. For you stand firm in your faith. And G on your outline. Be accountable to Jesus, who is the head of the church. And again, the same scripture in Hebrews 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. We want to do that with joy. When we see people growing, it is awesome. Because that makes our job all the more joyous. It can be discouraging when people are sinning and unrepentant and want to continue in, in that unrepentant sin. It, it can be very discouraging. Help us do that with great joy. Help encourage one another to do it all the more. When we serve, we do the one another's. Those are these things that we want to focus on in, in, at Believer's Fellowship. So this concludes three, the three-week new members class. Uh, if anyone was not able to attend week one or two, remember those are online, including then the outlines. Feel free to reach back out to me or with Donna. You can read bfsatx.org, and, and Donna will pick up that email saying, hey, yep, I've got that. I wasn't able to attend week one or, or two. I was here for week three live, but I did listen to those. Okay, great. That way then we can check and and continue in that church membership process. So the church office number, for all those that have pens, the church office is 210-656-2000. Again, 210-656-2000. 
2000. And Donna will probably be the person picking that phone up. If not, it'll be someone else. But we also look forward to your uh, church application and, and for that church membership. What I'd like to do now, if there's uh, open it up to any Q&A, that if you guys might, might have any questions. What are the next steps after yeah, next steps. So with your, everyone have a church membership application. If not, you can pull one on, on the way out, all right? Fill that out, and perhaps even if you want to put it in the mail, you say, I can't wait. <laughs> or you want to do a typed and PDF it and send it in, you can send it to Donna uh, at the church, or just come back this next week uh, with those membership applications, the next thing after that is, please be patient. <laughs> because remember, we're going to have about 40 membership applications. And what, what we'll do then, uh, call it with the elders, that we'll divide and conquer on with membership applications. So as you guys are a new family unit, right, praise the Lord, you, both of y'all, husband and wife, will be, say, interviewed you know, together. If there's an individual, just a, a solo person, <clears throat> like Sean, then, yeah, we'll one-off and, and we'll do that as well. And so couples, spouses, you'll have, you'll have that and, and you'll do that, okay? After that, then you will meet. Uh, we will have some times and dates. It's usually 1230 and meeting in that upstairs room um, right up on the top of the stairs on that outside there, 1230. And so that's kind of the, what we call a meet and greet with all of the elders, and we're like, oh, so that's who Aaron is. Oh, yeah, there's art, right? And then you'll know and understand on each responsibility that we oversee. So we'll introduce ourselves. Hey, this is what we, I oversee. Hey, this is what I oversee all the way on down the line. And then as if you guys happen to have any questions, but then what we'll also do is have you guys introduce yourselves. Hey, how long have you been at Believer's Fellowship? Hey, did you recently or where did you come from? Not necessarily a church, you know, from town, unless you feel comfortable in sharing them. Like, oh, hey, we just moved from St. Louis two months ago. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. You guys are wanting to become members already. And, you know, it's just some general information like that. Then after that, you say, yeah, continue with that process. Then you'll be announced as, as members. So you're almost there. Yeah, it's a good question. Thank you. Do yeah. we have to wait for the actual membership to go through to be baptized? No. Okay. No. No. Um, so with those classes that are going to be coming up in mid-February, go for it. Continue, continue with that because they're like, oh, hey, can't do that. Now, there are areas within the church you do have to become a member in order to serve. There's one particular area that you don't have to be a member and to where you can serve right away. I mentioned that last week, the parking lot ministry. Right? That is one that like, hey, go, go for it. Um, and then there are other, other areas. So let's just say, for example, that there are individuals that are, hey, I've been teaching for 20 years at my former church, and I want to do that. Well, for full disclosure, there might be that opportunity for someone to teach, but it will be more or less kind of in an assistant role. And it's strategic and purposeful and for further observation for other people that have been teaching and making sure that we have the correct doctrine that is being taught or explained to whoever that you might be teaching, especially in that children's ministry. 
And it's really important. So that is where then people are watched, they're observed, you know, how they're ministering in that way. And they're like, okay, yep, this person is solid with their doctrine, solid all the way through, they're faithful. And then eventually then perhaps getting into maybe leading third grade, you know, teaching, that, that sort of thing. It's a good question. But baptism, yep, go for it. Perfect. What else? Sure, sure. Thank you for that. So the question is, do we do we have membership meetings? Yes, and yes, and uh, we will have one coming up fairly soon because of the property next door. So what we want to do is we want to communicate to the whole body. Uh, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we're doing that. We had mentioned some of those things in prior months. You guys weren't here, but those are those things that we talk about. We also have an, an ACM, annual congregational meeting, and that is normally held sometime in the month of June. So just kind of put that in your calendar month-wide, right? Okay, wait for it. That will be announced way, way ahead of time. But, yeah, good question. Yes, we do have those. Sir, uh, what is there a specific seminary that you guys would recommend? Uh, one, doctrinally, and in, in where we are closely aligned with, <clears throat> is uh, the Master Seminary. Uh, we have uh, Chance Hunt, who is our pulpit teaching pastor. He, of course, is a graduate of Master Seminary. We also have Aaron Ives, who is overseeing the children's ministry. He is also a graduate of Master Seminary. We also have Juan Camacho, who is overseeing the Spanish ministry that he is currently undergoing classes at, at the Master Seminary. That's really one that we're closely aligned with. Just, I'd say doctrinally, I mean everything. It's, uh, another one perhaps going to be considered would be Southern Seminary. <clears throat> As Baptist, and there's a lot of things that we would be aligned with you know, on that, but really primarily would be the, the masters. Okay. Yeah. Bruce, you talked yeah. about the phenomenal growth. What are the current membership numbers? Uh, Donna? Yep, 360. And then, of course, that we've got normal, regular attendees. And that's where, again, I'm so encouraged. All the elders are encouraged that you guys are want to become members. Right? And I just say, hey, we want to be active attendees, but, but committed members. So thank you for that. Randomly, three or four years ago, Donna, what was that number? So we're at 360 members, ballpark right now. What was that three or four years ago, would you say? Once we all took off the mask, who are you? Got to look at it beyond Facebook, see what your picture looks like. I mean, that's the good thing about social media to where, you know, oh, yeah, hey. Okay, now I recognize that person. Name and face, be able to put that together. But from 200 to to 360 ballpark right now, remember, that could be uh, representative of a a husband-wife 
Well, that's not including the kids because, as you guys see, you're like, really? There's only 360 that attend? No, we probably the seven to 800 um, uh, through both services on, on a weekly basis. So as you see with the church growing and like, hey, we're going to start asking you, hey, you know, scoot to the middle. That way then we have those rooms for, for those other ones. But, yeah, about three, 360 right now. So at the end of this, then, we'll be at about 400. <laughs> yeah, done. So speaking of uh, membership and church, church growth, what is the uh, foreseeable outcome of construction and facilities? Because if I have an opposition, mm-hmm. which is, is I don't like two services, just saying, it creates two different churches, Theoretically, and I struggle with that. Not that it's a deal breaker, but <laughs> just saying. Don, thank you for just sharing that, right? Especially then when you've got a large group, like, hey, this is how you're expressing. Well, you know what? That feeling is mutual by the elders. Uh, and that is one reason why, as we're starting to do the campus build out <clears throat> and where with those plans, those will be communicated to the whole church. And I hear, here's what we have. And that's where, going back to praying for, for wisdom for us as we make those decisions, where, where do we start from, from phase zero, right? Well, that's going to be the parking. And then how do we continue to build out? Because then also it's the balance with that stewardship financially. Ultimately, to answer your question is where we do want to have a large enough auditorium, call an auditorium, to where we can have one service. How long that's going to last, meaning once we get there and we have one church service, well, you know, God continues to build his church, that might be back to two. But Don, that is how we, our mindset also, we would love to have one church service. Because for, for us, they're like, I don't know this person. I've never met them. I've never seen them. I don't even know what they look like. You know, like church membership, let's say with some of y'all coming through here, then like, hey, I've never seen this person because of those two services and not able to do that. I, I agree that unity and having that fellowship and knowing, uh, we think that that's extremely important. But the Lord is building his church. At least that's where with that wisdom and how that we want to make sure that we are aligned in, in honoring him with the resources that he's given us. So it's a good question. Thank you. Just one? Just one more, sir. I uh, I'll allow two more if you have two more later. That's okay. Yes, sir. I love you, brother. That's all right. Yes, Go sir, ahead. I love you too. So I know that right now we use the ESV, right? That's the that's the primary text that Chance mm-hmm. teaches from. My mm-hmm. question is, um, is that the text we're going to stick with for this year, or is there any talk or plans of switching to another translation? Uh, there's consideration for another translation, um, but to be determined and at another date. So, some of those things, because of all the other things that we have going on, that's kind of, I call it tabled, mm-hmm. uh, more or less like a parking lot you know, kind of issue. When we get to that, we'll share that. Here's the reasons why. It'll be, again, full communication. Gotcha. Yeah. Thank you for that. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's say I, let's say I become a member and then I move out of state for school or whatever, and then I come back, do I have to re-go through the process of membership? No, it's a good question because we've had quite a few folks, you know, do that. So they have become members. They say go to college, you know, out of state, out of the city. They're actively involved in another 
uh, church where they're going to college. And then come back, you know, oh, yeah, they were a member for five years. I mean, well, you've been here for since day one, right? Day zero? Day minus? So, so, so we, know, we would know who you are unless that something you were, like, way off and in a major sin issue or whatever it might be. You're like, no, Bella's been faithful. Here's what she's doing. Here's who she is. Yeah, she wants to come back as a member of the church. Yeah, you wouldn't have to go through this whole process again. Great question. Thank you. So there might be something about this in one of the, the articles on the website, but it's been a while since I've read them. Okay. Does the church have a position on women in leadership in ministry? Uh, yes. So the question is, does the church have a stance on women and leadership? Um, Women, uh, especially what God's word says, is not to be instructing men, right? And so for that, and how is that defined, where women can be leading other women, right? There is a women's ministry leadership board, a.k.a. the WMLB. (laughs) And, And that is where then those women are the, call it the steering committee, to be overseeing a lot of the women's ministry activities. I oversee the WMLB. That way then there's accountability and making sure that, hey, you guys are doing whatever you're doing. Everything, they roll up through whether, if I don't, if I don't have an answer to something, then that is to the rest of the elders. But then on a monthly basis, I'll give a report to the rest of the elder board, hey, this is what the WMLB is working on. These are some of the activities. So women can teach other women, just not with men in that capacity. And so you will not see women pastors here at Believer's Fellowship. It's scripture. Great question. Thank you. I've got three and a half minutes, and I'll stand here until. <laughs> Done. This is probably a rhetorical question, but I thought I'd throw it out there because uh, some of us may or may not have come from uh, a charismatic involvement at some point. But as far as cessationism and continuationism, you might want to voice a stand on that. So, so as far as, uh, well, with the question or with the statement is, is with um, s- some different doctrines, really with churches, especially then when we've had all of this growth, I mean, we've seen that people are coming from all over. And so strategically and, and purposefully, whether it be from the pulpit and or from adult Bible study, and then even from with the fellowship groups, making sure that all of that is aligned. So I'm going to say specifically answer your question, but just from that higher level is the making sure that everyone knows and understands, and it could be over a period of time to where this is what the doctrine and believers fellowship, this is what we believe, and here's why is according to, to the Bible. I can I can one off with you and, and get a more specific answer on that, but that's just kind of that high level, just so everyone well, I, the only reason I was asking the question or throwing it out there is because you, you did read through spiritual gifts uh, and you named off a lot of things that are no longer, for lack of a better term, valid. Correct. 
in the body. Yeah. Uh, which in other bodies is elevated to some level. So I just thought you want to expound a little deeper on that issue. Won't be able to in the two and a half minutes that I have, but it's a great it's a great question, and we can circle back on that. Especially then, if if you guys have that question, you know, on that, then when uh, do the membership application that say that interview with elder, then make sure to bring bring that up. That way, then we can one off and we can specifically address that. Yeah. Put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting warm in here. <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, those were valid in those days. They are not valid in these days. And so then we have to say, well, is scripture, you know, literal and figurative? Well, sure. I mean, it's, you know, say the Bible says, you know, in a sin, then, you know, pluck your eye out. Okay, is that literal or figurative? Right, and so on some of those other things, I'll say that that is, but there are some of those things where then the coming of the Lord Jesus, those are in the past. It's like with prophets. There's only one prophet, and, and God spoke through his word. He gave that to us. So we don't have prophets and some of the, you know, speaking the spirit and everything else. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out how to like phrase this, but like, how, sure. what are some ways that we could be more active in the church? I know there's like volunteering. I mean, I've been going to classes and stuff, but like volunteering and just trying to be more helpful, like other than just donating money. I'm so grateful for that question, and 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 so one, we want to be good stewards with everything that God has entrusted with us to us, right? Our time, our resources, our money. I mean, whatever that might be. But as you're wanting to actively serve in the church is, you know my wife, Laura, ask her, ask Donna. You know, there's women, other women that, that are actively serving. Like, hey, where can I serve? You're like, hey, and keep asking the question. Like, hey, I asked once, be patient, right? Because then it's like, okay, where and how can we figure this thing out? In another few weeks, probably two to three weeks, we are going to have some tables that are going to be outside. Lord willing that we'll have some good weather with that. But as to where then here are the needs of ministry in these various areas. And so like with ushers, there's I think uh, two to four usher spots, five. Okay, thank you, Steve. And then also with parking lot ministry, huge need for parking lot ministry. That way then, as I was mentioning this last week, that where you have three or four faithful guys out there, snow, wind, rain, cold, we're willing that those are few and far between on those days, but we also know that it's very hot. And so then when we rotate through, then it's easier because I call it sit one, serve one, right? Those guys are out there like every single Sunday. Well, I'd love to see them in adult Bible study from time to time to where they are going to church service. And then as they're serving, but if we rotate that through, then it's easier for everyone to get exposed to some of those things. So be patient. Look for that in a couple, three weeks to sign up for that. And then also you see someone in church leadership just be patient, but be persistent. Hey, where and how can we serve? Because there might be some things like, hey, yeah, we can get you plugged in over here, wherever. So that really is for everyone being addressed on, on that. Great question. Thank you. We're over time, and I'm still going to allow for one more question. <laughs> we need to 
to hurry because we're running out of oxygen. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Bruce, I do have one more question. You told me uh, to get two more. Uh, all right, there we go. All right. Yes, sir. All right. I'm all right. La- last question, then I'll close in prayer. All right. So yeah. let's say, right, um, a group of people decide to go out and evangelize or do some open air preaching, whatever it may be. Um, is there a protocol to that before just stepping out? Yes, yes. Uh, so the question why I'm repeating that, of course, is with the recording, you know, if someone wants to get out there and wants to evangelize, praise the Lord, I'm glad that you want to do that and you have that desire, as all of us should be. There is that evangelism club, okay. right? And so with that information, is that on the website, Donna, Steve? I think it's on the website. So look for the evangelism club. And the reason for that is we want to make sure that when we're sharing the gospel, again, it's all unified and uniform with that proper message yes. going out there. And so that's why when one of the elders does oversee that evangelism club, we want to make sure that that just with that umbrella and, and that accountability. Right. But uh, yeah, thank you. So look for that evangelism club. And then uh, we can get you connected to a number of people with that. Chris Hughes. Okay. I'm so sorry. I have one question that kind of pertains to him. Okay. Um, like, let's say I have a group of friends that goes to another church, and they're evangelizing through that church. Um, is it okay to evangelize with them as long as it's, like, according to, like, what we all agree and what the Bible Sure, because that's in another church. We don't have any... I mean, unless, like, say, a brother or sister church, then it would be uniform. But if in that situation... Now, you're doing that with another church. Uh, we don't have any, say, control or oversight on that. That's their church leadership on how they'd be able to do that. So, But thank you for wanting to be faithful and sharing the gospel. Okay, all right. There's other questions that you might have. Now you know who I am. Please come to me or any of the other elders. Uh, we also have a couple of other folks that are involved in, in uh, heavily involved in the church. I mentioned Steve Jordan. He is co-chair of the deacon board, the far corner. And then Donna, his wife, she is the um, office assi- assi- assist. I want to make sure that I bring you honor to your office manager. All right. She's the brains behind this whole operation. <laughs> she'll know what, Amen. she'll find the answer. If I don't know it, go to Donna and she'll be able to get that. Let me close on a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you that uh, we have an amazing opportunity to be part of your church body. Lord, thank you for your perfect design and how you did that in your, in your body and believers. Lord, help us to do all the more. Help us to love one another. Help us to love you all the more. Help us to be faithful and obedient to you and to your word, to where then we will be complete in Christ. Help us to do these things well as members of the church. I'm grateful for all of these folks that have that desire to be able to do that. Lord, and again, it's for our good and for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.